are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos only on 101.9 High FM. Soul to soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Bamidbar. Wow, what a wonderful time to be together. Thank you so, so much for joining us, for taking time on this really crazy, busy Erev Shabbos. Because, of course, it's not just Erev Shabbos. This is the entree. This is the portico. This is the vestibule, the prize door. This Shabbos is going to lead us directly into the palace of the king, into Chagashvuas, into the much-anticipated seven weeks we counted up to and anticipated and waited for this Chag to come. And now Bezus Hashem, on Moitzah Shabbos, it's finally going to come. And we need so much to take advantage of every moment of that 48 hours of the Chag, to cling to it, to, to use it as an opportunity to really commit ourselves, to really make a decision to connect ourselves to Torah and be amongst those who are going to make a difference, who are going to be important in this in this world. In the Pasha we're going to read, Bez Hashem tomorrow, it says, Take a census of the entire assembly of B'nai Yisrael according to their families and according to their father's household. The Torah relates the command that all Jews be counted in the census. It is in the following pasuk that the Torah states the criteria of 20 years and older. It's, so that seems to be, is it all or is it a select group? So the Ben Ishchai explains this with an incident in which he had been personally involved. He heard someone slandering the Jewish community, claiming that in their home in Europe, they had desecrated Shabbos and flagrantly had eaten unkosher foods. He asserted that this was the tip of the iceberg as he continued his denigration of a large segment of the Jewish community. The Ben Ishkai asked the man, what had possessed him to so disparage the Jewish community? The man's response is what we would expect to hear from someone of his ilk. Why are you condemning me? Since when am I charged with seeking out and finding positive merit concerning those who flagrantly transgress the Torah? The Ben Ishchai's reply, reply was classic and should serve for all of us as a, as a barometer for our relationship with the Yidden who have yet to become observant. He replied, Yesh yesh. There are those and there are those. There was there two types of people, two types of sinners. And it behooves us to take their background and Jewish identity into consideration. He went on to explain, there are those non-observant Yidden who commit every sin flagrantly, 
create a chil Hashem, profane Hashem, Torah and mitzvahs. Right? When push comes to shove, however, they probably retain their Jewish identity. Ben Ishchai supported his response with a story. So as a distinguished Jewish leader was invited to attend a large festive dinner at the palace of the king. The Jews' presence was a thorn in the eyes of one of the ministers who harbored virulent attitudes towards the Jews. Sparked by envy and nurtured by kind of uh, Ace of Seinel Yaakov, Ace of Hates Yaakov, this irrational, implacable hatred that the descendants of Esav kind of fixate against the descendants of Yaakov, the Jews' presence at the dinner was enough to destroy the minister's appetite. He went so far as to hire a group of ruffians to stand in front of the palace and scream, Jews, Jews, right, in the nastiest manner when the Jewish friend of the king entered the palace. Interestingly, when the Jew walked by the howling of the ruffians, he took out a bag of 1,000 gold rubles and gave it to them. He accompanied his gift with a resounding, thank you, I'm so happy that you called me a Jew. This is the identity that I want to maintain. He explained, I cannot say that I'm a perfect Jew. My business interests and government connections make uh, great demands on my spiritual connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But as long as someone calls me a Jew, however... It does not matter to me. Even if he's doing so negatively, out of animosity, he reminds me that regardless of my actions, I'll always be a Jew in Hashem's eyes. As a result, I have a deep sense of conviction that one day I will be able to perform tshuva, repent, and put all of this behind me. And the Ben Yishchai concluded, this is the limut schus, the positive merits that should be advocated on behalf of all those European Jews. It's wrong to judge them negatively. As long as they identify themselves with the Jewish people, we have hope that they will return to full commandments. Right? To write them off the way that you do is 100% wrong. This is 1.1.9 Soul to Soul. There's much more coming up. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Bamidbar, which also is the, I guess we'd call it the entranceway, the hallway that leads us into Chagashvuas that immediately follows after Shabbos. What an amazing weekend we are going to be having in, in the colloquial sense. It's not really a weekend, it's it's the highlight of our lives. Usually weekends are kind of time you chill down and relax and have a beer or two. No way! This is the weekend that we are getting up. This is the weekend that we are going to be charged and we're going to do a whole you know, many of us will stay up the whole night or at least learn some of the time on Shavuos night. It is an amazing, amazing weekend. But the way it's set up is so interesting that we have first the Shabbos with Pasha's Bamidbar, first book of the, the first Pasha of the fourth book 
of the Torah, the book of Numbers, and that leads us right into Shavuos. And of course, that is no coincidence. The Shulchan Aruch says in in Rechaim Tov Kavches that always we read Parshas Bamidbar Sinai before Shavuos. Obviously. Uh, for those living in Eretz Yisrael, because of the way the year worked out, they actually read Parshas Bamidbar last week. They're reading already Parshas Nasai, but in most situations, and certainly for all of us in Chutzlaretz, we're still able to to fulfill to fulfill this. And the Gemara says, the Gemara in Megillah, the very end of, of Megillah, that Ezra Seifer arranged for Klaiso to read the Tachacha, the rebuke, Right, which consists of a set of, of, of curses, right, in Parshas Bichu Kaisai, before Chagashvuas, and the Tachacha, the curses of Parshas Kisavu, we mentioned this last week, before Rosh Hashanah. And the, the rationale for this uh, uh, institution is Kedesh Tichle Hashanah Vakilasel, so that the year may end along with all of its curses. And the Gemara asked an obvious question. Okay, I get it. I, I, I get it that Rosh Hashanah is the end of the year. But Otu says Rosh Hashanah is, is Shavuos, the beginning of a new year. The Gemara answers, yes, it's true. Atzeres is also a, a Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because on Shavuos, we are judged in respect to the fruits of the, of, of the trees. Now, Tosfos explains this rationale behind the, the practice that, yes, although we read the curses before Rosh Hashanah, before Rosh Hashanah and before Shavuos, we never read it just on the Shabbos, just before. There's always a buffer. We always have Pashas Bamidbar as the buffer between the Chukaisai and Shavuos. And similarly, we always have Pashas Nitzavim as the buffer between the curses of Pashas Kisavai and, and, uh, and Rosh Hashanah. Why? Because we want to interrupt and have a, a Shabbos prior to Rosh Hashanah on which we read the portion not mentioning curses at all. So that the curses are not, so to speak, juxtaposed to Rosh Hashanah. <clears throat> and for the same reason, we read Pashas Bamidbar before Shavuos, so as not to immediately juxtapose the curses in Pashas Bukhukhaisai with, 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 with Shavuos. So since we are actually following this, uh, this practice, which was instituted by Ezra Seifer, and we're going to read Pashas Bamidbar as this gap between the curses of Pashbuchu Kaisai and Zaman Matan Tarasenu, Chagashvus. So there has to be obviously some deeper connection that exists between Pashas Bamidbar and the Chag, which celebrates the giving of, of the Torah. So let's begin by bringing a, a piece from the Medrash in Yalkut Shemani that says at, uh, at follows, and, and, and focuses on, the again, the connection of the end of Pashas B'chukhoisai and the beginning of Pashas uh, Abamidbar. Pashas B'chukhoisai concluded with the Pasuk that these are 
the mitzvahs that Hashem commanded Moshe to give over, to convey to Bnei Yisrael at Har Sinai. And Pashas Bamidbar begins right, that uh, Hashem spoke to Moshe in the Midbar of Sinai, in the Oil Moshe, on the first of the second month, in the second year, after their exodus from the land of Mitzrayim, saying, take a census of the entire Akaisa uh, uh, according to their families, according to their father's home. So the 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 key passage of the Medrash is is as as follows. It says that, that the, all the nations of the world were envious of Klaiso when they received the Torah. They protested. It says, why are they more deserving than any of the other nations? Hashem silenced them. He said to them, bring me your genealogical records like my children bring. Therefore, he counted them at the beginning of this Sefer after recording all the mitzvahs that we had in Sefer Shemois and Vayikra because they only merited taking the Torah because of their yichus, because of their, of their, of their genealogy. Now, this explains the incredible, actually, connection between Pashas Bambidbar and Chagashvus. Fantastically. Why? The Torah teaches us at the very beginning of the Pasha how HaKadosh Baruch Hu silenced the nations of the world in response to their protest against HaKadosh Baruch Hu choosing to give the Torah Dafka to Kaiso. It says one second. Take it says Hashem says take a census of the entire assembly of Benesha according to their families, according to their father's house. So here the Torah teaches us that they receive the Torah. Why? Because of their lineage and, and their ancestry. Now, all the Mafashim uh, worked very hard to try to explain the connection between the Sefer Yuchsen, this genealogical record, perhaps call it family tree, right? Your line of descent and the giving of the Torah to Christ. So what is the connection? Furthermore, at first glance, this passage seems to contradict a, a very explicit teaching in, in Pirkei Avos, in Perak Beis, where it says, Haskein says, prepare yourself to study Torah, why? Since it doesn't come to you as an inheritance. We see from this Mishnah that the Torah is not inherited automatically. A person has to exert himself and, and study it diligently. It has to be earned. So how can Hashem say to no, that they have a yichus and that's why they're getting the, the Torah. We're going to try to answer up this, this and, and reconcile this parent uh, con contradiction. So to begin to, to unravel it all, so let's refer to a, a statement in the Gemara in, in Brochus, where the Gemara says, quoting Rabbi Yochanan, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only gives Chokhmah, wisdom, upon one who possesses Chokhmah. But he has, as it says in, in Daniel, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who know how to reason. So he brings uh, in the Medjur of Tachlifa, Bamarava, 
heard this statement and repeated it over to Ravavo, and he said to him, you learn it from there, but we learn it from here. For it's written, he brings a pasuk in Shemais, in the hearts of all those that are wise, Hashem placed Chokhmah, Hashem gave wisdom. We see an important principle from this passage. HaKadosh Baruch only gives wisdom, only confers the Torah's Chokhmah upon someone who already achieved the status of Abu Chokhmah of a wise person. And that's the meaning conveyed by the Pasuk, Yav Hashem gives wisdom to those that are wise. So it's apparent that in preparation for receiving the Torah, one must strive to be considered a Chacham. By doing so, HaKadosh Baruch will then confer upon him the Chachma of, of the Torah. Right now, However, we have to try to unravel the whole enigma that, that, that uh, the commentaries all ask about. This pasuk that Hashem gives Chachma to wise people indicates that it's incumbent upon a person uh, to acquire first Chachma, and in that merit, HaKadosh Baruch will confer upon him the Chachma. What is the first Chokhmah that a person has to acquire on his own in order to be endowed with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Chokhmah? We're going to leave you to ponder that for a moment while we take a break. We'll be back in a moment and continue to try to put this all together. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9, Chai FM, Soul to Soul, <coughs> back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Bamidbar, which is also day before the Chag Ashvos, and we are talking about <coughs> trying to somehow connect the Parsha Shavuot, the Parsha Shavuos, with the Parsha, uh, Parsha Bamidbar, with Chag Ashvos, as in fact we mentioned, the Gemara tells us to do that. The Parsha Bamidbar always comes directly before. Chag Hashvus, and we're weaving some strands together to try to make sense of of all of all of it. The last thing we mentioned was something that sounds a bit perplexing. That it says that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives chachma <coughs> wisdom to those who are wise, which is a very difficult thing to understand. What wisdom do you have to have as a prerequisite for getting other? other wisdom. It sounds like a very, very different thing. We also spoke about the Medrash, that God demanded that the nations should bring their should bring their safer of, of genealogy to show whether they deserve to have Torah, which seems to, again, uh, uh, make a distinction between them and the Jewish nation, who seemingly get the Torah because they descend from amazing, amazing uh, uh, progenitors. But we said this seems to contradict a mission in Pirkei Avos, which says that we get Torah only as a result of our very, very hard work and intense effort in trying to learn Torah. So how, how do we reconcile those two statements? So it appears that we can begin to explain this matter based on an incredibly important principle, which we can see from the teachings of the Chasm Sefer. 
which he writes about in, in relation to Kabbalah's Kabbalah's Torah. You know, every Torah scholar will ask to remember at all times that at our Sinai, we only received Torah Shebik Sav, the written Torah, and a large portion of Torah Shebapeh. But large portions of Torah Shebapeh, however, remained stored and concealed with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he waits with great anticipation for Yisrael in each and every generation to come along and dedicate themselves to the study of Torah. And as a result of their exertion in the study of Torah, they will now be given the code, so to speak, to reveal portions of the Torah that have yet to be revealed. These are what we call Chidushe Torah, novel interpretations of, of Halacha or, or, or Agadah concerning both the kind of plain meaning and the mystical implications, right, which which are, are proposed and, and expounded by Tamini Chachamim in every generation. Right? In fact, just to quote the words of the uh, of the Chasim Seifer in, in his Sefer Teres Meishe. So in his Droshas, the Chasim Seifer writes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu endowed the Nishamas of Klai Yisrael with additional Bina, which is, means, I guess, intuition, enabling them to unveil the treasures of the Torah and that are still concealed. Right? And for, for and he says as follows that all of Hashem's goods and treasures are stored and concealed inside the Holy Torah. The key to unlocking those hidden treasures was given to Klai Yisrael secretly by Akadish Baruch. Hu, right? He instilled in their very beings the the additional bina, the additional intuition that gives them the ability to understand these things. No other people or nation possess this this uh, the, these keys. Right? They were only shown the simple, plain aspects of the Torah. Hence, they opted not to, not to accept it. So, perhaps we need to emphasize that this in no way contradicts the statement in the very famous uh, Medrash that says all the elements of Torah, even the, the, the novel interpretations that were destined to be introduced in the future, every question that any child in Cheder would ever ask were all said to Moshe Rabbeinu and Asinah. HaKadosh Baruch revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu the entire Torah, including hidden treasures that would only be revealed in the future. In reality, however, it's actually impossible to reveal any Chiddush before its proper time has arrived. As in fact, the, the Chidah writes in, in Devashlapi, the later Chachamim are able to introduce Chidushim original interpretations 
that the earlier Chachamim were not able to introduce because the time for that Chiddush had not yet, had not yet a- arrived. Now, based on the, on the premise of the Chasm Seifer, so now we can explain beautifully the, the concept that Achazal said that we have to say two different brachas when we make Birchas HaTayra. The first one is Baruch HaTashem Asher Kiddishonu B'Mitzvahs of Itzivonu Lasek right, and commanded us to engage in the study of Torah. Right? And we have a special, special tefillah to this bracha, which we attach, right, which, which lords and, and praises, right, the, the, the incredible pleasing nature of, of our Torah, that Hashem should sweeten the words of Torah in our mouths and in the mouths of, of your people, Yisrael, so that we are descendants and descendants of our, of our people, right, that all the house of Israel should all know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Baruch Hashem, who teaches Torah to, to Am Yisrael. So, we know that the, the, in the Shulchan Aruch, both the Mechaber and the, the Ramah in Simon Mem Zayin, write that the words Vaharevna must be said with the addition of the initial Vaharevna, Vav, rather than just Harevna. And the, the source is, is the Rashi in Gemara Brochus, and, and Toysvist there also, who say that Vaharevna is not a separate Brocha, it's a continuation of the first bracha. Right? We don't even say amen after last of Divisar because we're in the middle of a bracha. Because we have a single long bracha that opens with baruch and concludes with the baruch at the, at the end of that, of that uh, bracha. And the second bracha that we recite, right, is, is for Torah study is Hashem who chose us from all the nations and gave us this Torah, the giver of the Torah. Now, after this bracha, the Gemara teaches us that Rav Hanuna said that this is the choicest of, of the brachas. And Rashi comments, this is the best of the brachas of the Torah, since it includes an expression of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and praise of the Torah and of Klaiso. So, let's explain why Chazal instituted the, the saying of two brachas in association with the mitzvah of Torah study. Most of the brachas, most of the mitzvahs, only require one bracha. So why is this one special? Why do we have two separate brachas? Secondly, we're going to try to explain why Chazal found it necessary to include in, in the concept of, of, uh, of bracha satayra, this and in, in this very choice bracha, Asher b'chabonu mikol amim, who chose us from this nations and gave us this Torah. Now, the Mephoshim the, the, are all puzzled by, why does it have to say that the Torah tells us that Hashem actually offered the Torah to everybody? 
Every single nation was given the opportunity to to get the Torah. And each one of them, for whatever reason, whatever they found challenging, whatever they found in the Torah that seemed to go against their their nation, their their their, their nature, they rejected the, the Torah. So Akashvok initially offered the Torah to all the descendants of Esau and, and Yishmael, but they did not want it. He only gave the Torah to Israel after all of them refused it. So based on what we learned in the Chasm Seifer, so we can say as follows. The first bracha, La Seik Torah, relates to the portion of the Torah HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed to us at Sinai. Therefore, we add the tefillah of that we should all succeed in learning Torah Lishma. That Torah that we have ready, we should learn it for Hashem's sake. The second bracha, relates to the portions of Torah not revealed to Klai Yisrael at Asinai, but the parts that are hidden away to be revealed by Klai Yisrael in later generations with the additional bina and understanding that is already downloaded into our very, very DNA, into our nature. So that's the significance of saying, right? Even had the other nations been prepared to accept the Torah, they would not have been able to reveal the portions of the Torah that remain stored and concealed with HaKadosh Baruch Hu because they lack that additional bina. As the Chasm Seifer explains, this special gift was given exclusively to Klaiso. It's part of their very nature and it's not found by the Goyim. As a consequence, they only perceived the simple aspects of the Torah and therefore decided to turn it, to turn it down. So that's then the implication of the continuation of the bracha, the nasan lanu That refers specifically to the portion of the Torah that was not revealed at Asinai, but remained stored with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This prompted Rav Hamnuna's statement, this is the choicest of the brachas. And as Rashi explains, this is the best of the brachas of the Torah, since it includes an expression, number one, of of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and praise of the Torah and Klaiso. So this bracha, we're expressing our gratitude to Hashem for giving us this special gift, this extra bit of bina that allows us to, to, to plumb the depths of Torah and reveal the portions of the Torah that remain stored with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is indeed the most special praise of the Torah and, and of, and of Klaiso. And this explains the conclusion of the Brach also. Baruch Hato Hashem, Noisein HaTorah. Resi Hashem, right? The giver of the Torah. In the Shulchanah, the Taz brings that this Bracha ends Noisein HaTorah. Hashem is giving the Torah. And this indicates 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us his Torah constantly on a daily basis. That is, we study it and he provides us with new and novel understandings. In keeping with this discussion, this means and, and, and fits very, very nicely with the main point of the bracha. For as we explained, the bracha thanks HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the bina he gives us with, with, with uh, almost every single day, which gives us the ability to reveal chidushim, portions of the Torah that are, are stored with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, waiting for us to make the effort to plumb the depth of Torah, to really go into it and unlock those portions. That's why it's noisenator in the present tense, because this is an ongoing and daily practice of Avakadish Baruch. So once we understand this, we now go further to explain why Akadish Baruch told the Goyim, okay, you want the Torah? Bring me your Sefer, Yuxun, your genealogical books, as my children bring. So if we go all the way back to Sefer Bracious, to Parshas told us. So there we learn that our others were busy doing something very strange. They were busy digging wells, as in fact the Torah says. Yitzchak went and redug the wells which had been dug in the days of Avram, his father, and which the Pelishtim had stopped up after Avram died. And Yitzchak's servants dug up the valley and found a, a well of, of fresh of fresh water. And and the Sfasemis writes in the name of his Zayda, right, the Chidushe Horim, he writes that the others dug wells to remove the 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 external, the, the Gashmis, the earthly layers of creation to unveil the hidden illumination that's concealed within nature. For all things and places possess an internal aspect. And to, to try to understand a little bit better what, he, what he's saying, Svasemis himself refers to the beginning of creation, where the entire earth, we said, was covered with water, right? And I showed nowhere to go. However, on the third day of, of creation, there it says, let all the waters be gathered right beneath the heavens in one area and let the dry land uh, uh, appear. And, and it was so. Svasemus explains the significance of these events based on, there's a following medrash that says as follows. It says, uh, uh, the Pasuk says that uh, the Torah says, I was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's blueprint. And Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu would look in the Torah and create the world. And we see also in, in the Zayar, HaKadosh, a similar, a similar statement, that all those who work in the study of Torah are, are, are meritorious because that's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. He looked in the, in the Torah, and created the world. 
This is the significance of the entire world being covered with water. It was impregnated and, and saturated with Taira, which is compared to water. As, as the, Gemara, the Gemara in fact tells us, Ain Mayim there's no water other than other than uh, than As the Shia says, whoever's thirsty, go go to the water. In other words, at the very beginning of creation, the entire Torah was visible and revealed without any concealment. And that's the implication of the Apostle. And, and the Ruach Lekim Rachefes, Hashem was hovering over all of this water. Nevertheless, creation was set up in such a way that the illumination of the Torah would be concealed within the, the Gashmius, within the very material parts of, of nature. This allowed mankind the freedom to choose between good and evil. Therefore, man would have to work in the study of Torah to reveal, so to speak, that waters of Torah that are concealed in, in the physical, natural world. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, let all the waters gather together and let the land appear. In other words, pockets of, of Torah, i.e. the water, were, were concealed inside the earth, but only dry land was visible on the surface. So the dust and soil of the material world conceal the spiritual waters, the Torah that's just lying just beneath the surface, waiting, waiting for mankind to come and dig it up and excavate that the, all those superficial layers away to get to the illumination of the Torah concealed within the, the well of, uh, of, of, of life. So that's the significance of what the Ovis did when they dug up the wells. They were showing us how to, how to prepare ourselves, that all we have to do is, is, is to learn the Torah and, and we'll begin to reveal uh, the, the, the entirety of, of, of Torah. So based on all of this, so we can now begin to understand the difficulty. Yisrael accepted the Torah willingly. However, they only accepted the part of the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them there at HaSinai. And we learned, however, from the Chasm Seifer that it's still incumbent upon Klai Yisrael to uncover the portions of the Torah stored with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that have yet to be revealed. And with regards to these portions of the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu held the mountain over our heads and said, no, you've got to accept the Torah because it was specifically for this purpose that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Torah, right? To reveal the, the portions of the, of the Torah he kept concealed within for safekeeping. When we complete this glorious task, then we merit the complete Gula swiftly in, in, in our days. May we be Zaycheh this Shavuos to make the effort, to make the commitment. We're going to learn Torah. We're going to show that this is our legacy that comes all the way back from, from Admoration that we're going to uncover. We're going to find that water. We're going to sweat. We're going to taste the sweetness of Torah. This is 101.9 Chayim Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. 
This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pasha Shvus, as you prepare. Pasha Shvus, Pasha's Pamidbar, which is going to lead us straight into Chag HaShvus. I'm already totally besotted by, by, by Shvus. It is such an exciting time, such a monumental time in our in our lives. I'm going to talk just about a few of the halachas of Shavuos, but first, as we always do at this time, just to give you a basic rundown of a few of the times and important details you need to know about this weekend. So the earliest time for lighting candles today is at 4.17. 4.17 is the earliest time. And boy, I know there's a lot to do and it's a busy Friday and three days yontem. But if we can get this beautiful Shabbos yontem weekend started early, that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Get the shop, get the house organized, get the things on the, on the hot plate, wherever it is. And let's get into this amazing, amazing mode of Shabbos going straight into a, a yontem. The latest time, this afternoon is at five minutes past five. We are at our earliest for for the year. Five past five is the earliest it can it can get. Uh, Shkia, therefore, then is at five twenty three. So, therefore, that's your injury time if you really, really need it. But please, please, unless it's a really, really desperate situation, don't rely on that. L- look at five at past five as your absolute deadline. If you want to be able to dive in Meyer tonight and do the final Oimer at, uh, at, at nighttime and not have to repeat the Krishna, then all you have to do is wait until about 541 and it's already certainly night and you can dive in Meyer and wow, get into a beautiful, beautiful, long, delicious Friday night with family and, and friends and some good food and some good drink and some divrei and you know, and maybe a, a kind of a, early night because we know what's coming we know what's coming uh, uh, tomorrow night tomorrow of course is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Bamidbo we begin the book of Bamidbo it's quite a long Pasha but mostly about the counting of the Bnei Yisrael and the giving out of responsibilities and duties in the in the Mishkan as the Mishkan was packed and unpacked and the Jews and the Jews traveled there's also a uh, 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 the Torah is the Torah of Pashas Bamidbo, but it's very very appropriate for being just before uh, uh, Shavuos, especially towards the end of it, where we speak about the betrothal, the connection, the relationship that exists with our Kodesh Baruch the erastically loyalam, and that that uh, uh, arrangement, that engagement, begins on Shavuos and carried on for forever. So. That's the Haftarah. Uh, we will say Avrachamim tomorrow because it's still the last sort of uh, awaiting moments of the of the Sphira. Uh, it's very important tomorrow that even though it's Shabbos and quite a short Shabbos, but because it is Shabbos, we have to have three meals. You have to have Shalshudas. But of course, since Matzah Shabbos is Yom Tiv, you don't want to have a late Shalshudas because you want to have an, ap- an appetite for the amazing, amazing efforts and, and culinary delights that have been planned for, for Shavuos night supper. So you really want to get your meals moving early so that you can have Shalshudas sort of mid-afternoon already and, and have a little, and have an appetite for, for the night. Of course, 
uh, tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be reading the, the sixth parak, the final parak, the parak of Kinyan Atayra, the parak that describes how one acquires Torah, which is so appropriate for the moments before before uh, Shavuos. Uh, and uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends and Yontif begins at 5.57 tomorrow night. You may not light candles uh, before 5.57. You can do no preparation at all on Shabbos for for, for Yontif. People sometimes make a mistake that in the same way as if Yontif comes before Shabbos, you can prepare on on Yomte for Shabbos, it does not work in the reverse. There is no Erev Tavshilin today. You may not do anything at all on Shabbos to prepare for, for the upcoming, for the upcoming Yomtev. Once, uh, Nach comes, once after, after 557, one says, and one can then begin to prepare and set up and do dishes, whatever it is one needs to do to get ready for, for Shavuos, for Shavuos, uh, 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 night. Uh, again, um, it is advisable, but we should have spoken about this last week. One really needs to be lighting a 48 hour candle today before, before Shabbos so that we'll be able to light candles from it, uh, uh, tomorrow night and on Sunday night. If you don't have a, a 48 hour candle, then uh, you light a 24 hour candle and obviously then light another one on Mitzvah Shabbos, but one must uh, have some use from that candle sometime during the first day of Yom Tov, because otherwise you're lighting a candle on Mitzvah Shabbos, which is the first day of Yom Tov, basically just for the purpose of lighting candles on the second night, which constitutes an act of preparation. Therefore, either light a stove from it or get someone who still has the habit of smoking to light up a smoke from it so that one has some benefit from it on on uh, on on uh, on the day of Yontif itself for those who have the custom to stay up all all all, all night so just the important times uh, dawn on Sunday morning is about 25 to 6 you can put on your your uh, talis Shortly before six, and sunrise is about six forty-eight in the uh, in 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 the morning. Uh, Yontif uh, nights fall on all three nights, both said Moetzer Shabbos Sunday night and Monday night is at five fifty-seven. So at least that's easy to remember. And again, on Sunday night, no preparation can be done for the second night of Yontif until after. After five fifty-seven, then of course one could light candles also at that uh, at that time. For those who uh, have the age-old custom, which is based on the teachings of the Holy Zayar, to remain awake the entire night of Shavuos, and of course spend the night learning learning uh, Torah. So the Arizal even writes that one who spends the entire night awake immersed in Torah learning is guaranteed to remain alive for the remainder of the year and no harm will will befall Mr. Bro brings this and and certainly one is it's worth worth a a try now obviously although this is a tremendously difficult thing to do especially uh, in our part of the world where the night is so so long and on a practical level it's not necessarily achievable for most people 
it is important to try and spend as much time as possible immersed in Torah learning on this very, very special, very special night. So even if you can't stay up the whole night, stay up an extra hour or two. If the Yeshua has a program, a dinner, stay around, hear a shir or two, get inspired, learn something, prepare yourself to commit to a greater level of Torah learning for this for this year. And certainly don't waste a time away with just idle, idle chatter and certainly not with any kind of forbidden kind of conversation. If someone's going to stay awake all Shavuos night to learn Torah and is going to be drinking some coffee or whatever during the night, so if he had a mind when he said the brach of Shahakal on the first drink, that he should cover everything he drinks that night. So that initial bracha, certainly if he's in the, if he stays in the same venue, can suffice for everything to exempt all the subsequent drinks throughout the night, right? Provided he didn't leave the the building uh, where he where he said the original the original bracha. But the truth is, it's actually ideal not to have this in mind and rather say Baranafashas after each drink and then a new brach of shakal each subsequent drink that you uh, that you have. So that's what Shalom Zaman Oybach Paskins right? Uh, if one is awake all Shavuos nights or truth is any night during the year and is learning Torah or reciting whatever to, uh, when daybreak, what we call Allah Sashach arrives, he does not need to stop to wash his hands immediately. He can wash after he finishes learning before he goes to, to, to David. Furthermore, he can walk more than four hours before washing uh, his Negel Vasa in, in the morning, right? Un, uh, you know, unlike when one sleeps, there we say he should wash immediately and avoid walking even more than four hours, two meters upon rising before he washes his hands. We'll be back in a moment with some final comments. This is 101.9 Chai and the program is Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, sold to sold back on your way to Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas, Bamidbar, which is also Erev Shavuos as we get ready. And we just have a few more minutes left before we go running off for our final last minute preparations as we ease ourselves into the Kedusha Sayom to the very special day of Chag. So we're talking about someone who stays up the whole the whole night. So we said that you'd be allowed to even touch your eyes, clothing before washing one's hands, which usually you would not be able to do in a situation where you uh, where you slept, right after being awake all Shavuos night. So the hands have to be washed once it's morning. Now, the bracha of al would only be said if, and this is actually the recommended uh, a way to do it, is to, after dawn, to go to the washroom, make sure one's hands get a little bit soiled, and then you can make the bracha of al and the bracha of, uh, of, asher, of Asher Yotza. Right. 
uh, okay, just by touching a covered part of the body before washing is not enough necessary to necessitate the brach of Amitless Yudayim. If one did sleep at least a half an hour in a bed, right, on, uh, on the, uh, even, even on Erev Shavuos, so you can say Biruch HaSatayra as usual in the morning, even if he stayed awake during the entire, the entire night, the entire night, uh, Rabbi Kiva quotes that way, and that's true even if the nap took place during the previous day, and, and, and even though you had, you took the nap with your clothing on, that still is uh, okay, if one didn't sleep at all during the previous day and was awake all night, i.e., he didn't sleep at all from when he recited Birch Satira uh, on the morning of Erev Shavuos until Shavuos morning, so then you don't recite Birch Satira yourself, rather, you should hear it from someone else who did sleep and, and be with, with that. However, he doesn't have to stop learning Torah. As soon as day day breaks, he can continue learning until the time that he hears the brachas. Now it's uh, it's customary uh, in many many kihilis for the entire tzibur to stand when the Torah portion of the Aseris Adibris is read in public, which is done three times a year: Pashas Yisrael, Pashas Vaschanan, and Shavuos morning. Right, as a commemoration of when they were originally given at Asina, where it says, and Klaiso trembled and stood by Yamdu Merachot. So we stand also. And although, although some Rishonim, including the Rambam, uh, uh, which is based on, on, on the Gemara, don't allow it, as it seemingly gives more importance to one part of the Torah over another, which of course is not the case. Many poskim nowadays allow it, as it is clear to all that we're doing it in commemoration of Matan Torah, not to give importance to this particular portion uh, that is being that is being uh, uh, read. Rosh talks about that also, as many as well as many others. What some people do is they'll simply stand up from the beginning of that aliyah, which then you're not standing up anyway, particularly for the Aseris Hadibis. And lastly, if you are in a kehillah that stands, so then you must follow their minog and, and stand up with them. Right, and of course, I don't have to talk about the minute to eat dairy foods on Shavuos. We're all, I'm sure, ready and primed for that as we get into the Chai. Well, my time is up. I'm going to just take this moment to wish every one of you an amazing, beautiful Shabbos and a good Yom Tov Chag Sameach. May this be a monumental Yom Tov, one where all of us, as individuals, as Klai Yisrael together, stand up and say, We are ready to do whatever you want us to do, whatever you need us to do. We'll do it with Simcha, we'll do it with excitement, we'll do it with alacrity, and we'll do it with love. To each and every one of our radio, of our radio family, a good Shabbos and a good Yom Tif.